Chairman Caleb Collier said, proposing that the city of Spokane Valley issue a proclamation stating that our city is a Second Amendment sanctuary city. Hello, Church and State listeners. It is so good to have you. We are here on day two of the Reawaken America Tour. We are backstage. We have with us uh, some unique, swarthy individuals. I say swarthy because, hey, every once in a while, the kingdom of God will have some people that are tenacious, have a unique um, ministry. And uh, we've seen the likes of Jim Brewer last night with, uh, he's actually Goat Boy from SNL. Um, those of you know who Jim Brewer is, uh, hilarious. We also had Eric Trump. He's, he's not as swarthy as you would think, but the man is swarthy. But the swarthy award as far as like tenacity, beard, all of that, going into the wilderness, and I'm gonna explain that here in a second, goes to my friend, Rob Graham. This was sacred to God. You do not want to eat synthetic meat. If you if you can grow a meat in a lab, if if you want to go ahead and have Soylent Green on the table, feel free to eat this garbage that Target's trying to throw out. But if you want actual meat that's been freeze dried. It's been then processed by actual human beings. Go to griddownchowdown.com. Look, the World Economic Forum has declared a war on red meat. They hate the cows. They hate the cow farts. There is supply chain issues. And uh, for me, you can pry my steak from my cold, dead hands. If you want a meat that's going to last freeze-dried 10 years or more, this is the product you want. I want all of you to go to griddownchowdown.com. Use the promo code Church and State. These are fantastic freeze-dried raw beef. The blood is still in it. You just rehydrate it and add it to your favorite meal, and you are ready to go. And remember, the Holy Word of God tells us, for one person has faith to eat all things, while another who is weak eats only vegetables. That's Romans 14.2. And uh, he is a part of, I want you to tell all of our listeners the name of the website. And we're going to show that here in a, in a second. What's the name of the website? It's uh, www.lastfrontierministries.com. And we are located in uh, the interior of Alaska, directly at Denali National Park. That'll put hair on your chest where they're at. So I actually climbed Mount Rainier, but Denali is the highest peak in the United States. A lot of people forget that Alaska is the United States. It's so far away and so big of a country. The landmass is insane. The resources are amazing. But it's so hard to get to. There's a picture we're going to show our listeners. you got to see this. Chris, let me know. Give me a thumbs up when you have the picture of his beard. And the temperature is negative 72. Did you ne say that? Negative 79 is the lowest that, I, that we've ever been in. And uh, this, was, this was a day that we were out uh, actually uh, cutting wood for some of the elders. Cutting wood for the elders. And then let me, t like, did you throw, like, icicles on your face? Or was that just this, the moisture in the air? Or are you breathing? It was, it was actually from my breath because uh, in Alaska, we're actually, believe it or not, we're considered a high desert. Uh, and, and especially in the wintertime, whenever it's 79 it's below. very dry. There can be no moisture in the air because it freezes, right? So when you breathe, it just sticks to your beard. It does. <laughs> yeah, did it you, does. Did you able to pull up that picture? He's getting it. Okay, because you got to see this. this I, I was telling our Spokane 
kind of conditions of what happens. Those of you who are tuning in in your locals from Spokane, you know this. Spokane weather does this weird thing, this phenomenon in February, where it goes down to like negative 25, negative 30. And as a mailman, I was a mailman for many, many years, so I'm out there in that cold, and there's cold, and then there's stupid cold. Stupid cold is once you go negative 20 and beyond, but negative 79, that's insane. So this picture here is what, what I'm talking about. For our listeners, that's his beard just frozen from him breathing. Anybody who's got to endure that, uh, you're crazy. But people live in this environment, namely Athabascan natives of Alaska. I actually drove the Alcan once, Rob, and saw the conditions of what America has done to our Native Americans. And I say Americans very clearly because they are Americans as well. But we've, and I don't want to get all wokey by, by just painting this image that, uh, you know, we, we've done so much horrible. We've done a lot of evil, okay? But as I drove through the Alcan, I actually saw Rob on the, on the, the, the road going through there. I actually drove through, because there's only one road. Yep. Alaskan native villages where young kids, um, during the middle of the day, it's freezing cold, doors are open, mattresses on the ground, dogs out, trash. It looks like kids are not even being attended to. And I, I'm driving through a town thinking, holy cow, this, it literally looks like the wild, wild west. And I'm thinking it's freezing cold and everybody's, like these doors are wide open. And I'm, what I'm hearing from some of the locals is a lot of the parents are, are, are they drink a lot and there's a lot of dysfunctionalness but the reality is, like, my heart was grieved for, for these people need love and they need the affection of the gospel, of the loving kindness of Jesus Christ. And I didn't know that that kind of world existed. And I only paint that picture not for any of you to think that I'm being generalization of the Native American community because I know because there's some that are very, very organized and well-run. And, but, but I know Alaska in general needs the gospel. And that's where God has placed you. So share about your ministry to our listeners because um, this is this is exciting. God sends his his servants out to the whole earth. So tell us about what you do. Yeah. So, um, kind of a, an overview of Alaska uh, that the listeners need to know about um, before before I kind of tell what we do is to give a little bit of history about Alaska. Uh, it's not taught in the schools, um, obviously. Like, I mean, there's so much stuff that's taken out. But um, you know, the thing is, is is when Alaska was was purchased from Russia. Uh, they did what they called like a, a land settlement act where, you know, the Native Americans uh, in Alaska, the, 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 we work with the Athabascan people. Uh, there's a misconception that, there's a, that, that everybody up there is an Eskimo. That's not right. true. Uh, there, there's, there are the Eskimos. There's the Inuit. There's the Tlingit. And we work with the Athabascans. Um, and, and you've got the Haidas. You've got, there's, there's tons of groups up there. But whenever, they, whenever you know, the, the, the Native American uh, Alaskans were nomadic people, so they would go... Uh, they, they, you know, like in wintertime, they would go and they would have their trap lines that they would, you know, trap right. for fur so that they can have equity to go trade. Um, they would go, you know, f uh, for fish season. They would go whenever the fish were running. Um, for caribou season, they would go, you know, right. get the point. And so whenever they, whenever they switched those groups up and they said, okay, the Eskimos get this area, the Klingits get this area, the, the Athabascans get this area, essentially what it did is it, it caused inner strife between the different, if you will, clans or tribes or, or people groups. Um, that, that was the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened is in 1959, whenever Alaska became a state, the government in its infinite wisdom right. thought it was a great idea to go in and take all of these kids out of their homes and send them to boarding schools. 
So they 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 took these kids out of their homes. Their way of life. Yeah. And and uh, and and not only that, but you know, talking about the way of life from you know, school starts in August, it ends in in the end of May. So they've just missed hunting season, they missed right. trapping season. You know, in the spring, they're they're missing the first fish runs that are starting to run. And so basically, what ends up happening is is over a period of time, these guys, uh, whenever they come home, especially the males, whenever they come home. Their, their dads kind of look at them going, like, you're coming home for the summer, you're eating our food, you're doing that, but you're not contributing anything to the family. Right, you did nothing. Yeah, so, you know, anybody in that era, so, like, in their 70s, 80s right now, uh, I actually refer to them as, as a fatherless generation because there was a separation there. Yeah. Then what ended up happening in the boarding schools is they forbid the kids to speak their language. Wow. Um, and, and since 1959, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's somewhere in the vicinity of 60 languages that are completely extinct now. They don't, they don't speak them at all. Um, one of my friends, I'm going to leave out his name, but um, he was in the boarding school. And he was in the bathroom singing one of his Athamascan songs. And the, the dean or the, the, the principal of the school heard him, came in there, and he tried to get him to say, I won't speak this trash anymore. Uh, he wouldn't say it, so they brought in a five-gallon bucket of ammonia, and they kept dunking his head in it until he said, I won't speak this trash anymore. As a result of that, it was 50 years before he spoke his language again. Oh um, and so, you know, and, and whenever he did, it was actually at a church service, and he just started weeping because was, he was terrified to speak it, wow. but God was telling him to speak it. Wow. And so... Um, and so, so there was that. Another one of my friends, very similar story, but instead of a bucket of ammonia, they took a leather sewing needle and they punched it through his tongue until oh he gosh. said, I won't say Can this. I ask this question? Is, yeah, were these boarding schools run under the guise of being like Catholic or where there was any type of religious influence in these schools? There was. So the, the school itself was actually run by the government, uh, but there was okay. a bunch of missionaries that, <clears throat> that had come up. And, and from various, you know, whenever they did the Land Settlement Act that I told you about before, they also, very shortly after that, the religious, if you will, the religious groups got together and they said, okay, the Catholics can have this area, the Russian Orthodox can have this area, the Episcopals can have this area. And then, and then essentially the Assemblies of God were like, we're going to go wherever we want to go. <laughs> and so, um, you know, as you know, primarily the groups of people that I work with uh, in the interior are, the Episcopal Church was very, very prevalent in there. Um, and so, uh, what happened was, is because all of this abuse was happening, there were missionaries that were helping out in these boarding, boarding schools. And as a result, the people just lumped in the missionaries as being bad. Right. right. Now, I'm not saying that none of them, you know, didn't, there, I'm sure that there was people who were doing wrong things that were missionaries, but mostly it was the people who were employed by the school. Okay. Um, so then after that fast forward, and again, given, given the history of Alaska, um, right after, you know, you look at the 60s and early 70s, what was going on at that time? Vietnam. War. Right? So, in my opinion, people will say this is a conspiracy, but I don't care. I look at the statistics. I have yet to meet an Alaska male who is of the Vietnam uh, era that did not go to Vietnam. I, I firmly wow. believe that the government looked at them as expendable, um, and so they sent them off to war. So, imagine, if you will, for a second, a student or a, a, a child who... Uh, gets ripped out of their home, sent to boarding school, who starts, if you will, kind of getting ostracized by their family because they're not contributing. They get sent to Vietnam. They come back, and, and a lot of these people, they, they didn't even see concrete before, right? Like, they were in their village, especially the elders. Like, they just kind of stayed in the village. They didn't go out much. So you try to explain what they saw and what they went through in Vietnam to try to get the counseling. that they, It just wasn't there. So what happened? They turned to drugs and alcohol, Right. And, and here's the thing, like, 
people in, we call it the United States, the lower 48, like people in the lower 48, even whenever they came back, they didn't have a support system. Imagine being from the village. Yeah. So they come back, they get wrapped up in drugs and alcohol and everything else. And, and here's the thing, man, like without having the hope of glory inside of you, like th then there is no hope. What, what is the reason for living? So, you know, with Alaska, we pride ourselves in the fact that we are the biggest state in the union. We're three times the size of Texas, right? There's 231 federally recognized villages in Alaska. Only about maybe 10% of them are accessible by road. And I would say 80% of the villages don't have a functioning church in them, okay? As a result of that, we, in, now, now, now the, the land mass were, you know, we, we got Mount McKinley there, Mount Denali. Right. Like, we're, we're proud of all that stuff. What we're not proud of is we lead the nation three times per capita in suicides, three yeah. times in drug and alcohol abuse, three times in uh, domestic violence and rape. Um, I was doing a youth group one time. There was 13 kids there. There was 12, 12 girls, one, one guy there. And out of, those, out of those 12 girls, 11 of them had already been raped. We're, we're talking under 16 years old, right? So, you know, what do you, what do, you do with those statistics, right? Wow. And, and people look at Alaska, and they look at Alaska, and they think that, well, how, you know, like, it's, it's part of the United States. You know, how is that a mission field? Like, try being a missionary, trying to raise funds to do missions in the United States whenever people have that mentality. Right. It's like, okay, come there and see what's going on. Like, it's a whole nother world. It is. Like, I, I, like I, I'm not joking. You, I was driving through... Um, and the only thing coming through in those areas, it's the middle of nowhere. And these villages, a lot of them are accessible only by plane, beaver plane, uh, pontoon plane. A lot, a lot of the resources that come in, come in on sled dog. It's very interesting. You talked about trap lines. They're like the lifeblood. Trap lines are so important and key. And there's major fights among tribes about them. Um, right now, the United States has shined a light on what we would call Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it, you know, it's very interesting. We've disenfranchised the African-American people. But as you were saying this whole story about this generation, I did not know so many young men went to Vietnam. Yeah. I did not know that. I met, I, this is, I, I can't believe Hollywood has never made a movie out of probably, you could find the lives and the story of a young man who's literally ripped out of that. What's interesting is this, very popular TV show, Yellowstone. Have yeah, you seen oh yeah. it? Oh, yeah. They really have taken a few liking to some characters that are Native American, like a young girl. They ripped her out of her village, and she gets beat numerous times by Catholic priests. And I watched that, and I was thinking, I wonder how much of that is reality. I'm glad to hear that, yes, I'm assuming the Catholic Church did some bad stuff, but I pray to God that that's not just the only story. I pray that the gospel shine through. I had a friend, Charlie, who just passed away. He, he's a major elder in his community, and he actually received the gospel at a young age from some missionaries. So I remember hearing some good truths. He died and went to heaven. He, he's just an amazing man of God. But what you're doing, how the heck did God call you to this? Like, because I'm, I'm hearing this, and there's nothing appealing about, A, the cold, and I, I, I respect your wife already, your yeah. kids and your wife. I, your wife is a saint. There's a, there's a spot in the encyclopedia. If you look up saint, then your wife is there. So she must be tough. So talk, talk about how God led you there, the story of that. Because I, I know you went to school with Aaron, who's a friend of mine. And what, what college did Aaron and you go to? We went to Rama Bible College. Rama is awesome. I love Rama. Our, our Marty Grisham is yep. amazing. He's such a colorful dude. <laughs> Marty. I met him sucking crawfish guts out. Yeah. He, he taught me how to eat crawfish. 
Marty's just funny. Yeah, but he is. Rama is such a cool school. That's where God obviously gave you the call. But how the heck do you get to Alaska? Yeah. So, um, you know, the call, the call to Alaska, I, I'm born and raised there. Uh, my parents have pastored a church there for about 38 years now. Um, and I knew, I knew that I was called into missions, right? Uh, I was working for an organization uh, or volunteering for an organization called Teen Mania Ministries with Ron Luce. Uh, we took uh, young uh, people from the age of 13 all the way up to about 30 uh, on the mission field in the summer and over holiday trips. Uh, we would take between three and 5,000 students uh, a year to like 22 different countries. Uh, as I was doing that, like God started impressing on my heart, like we have a mission field in our own backyard. We have 231 federally recognized villages. There's not a whole lot of people going to them, right? And so God was, was impressing on my heart about this. Uh, and, and here's the crazy thing is, man, like, you know, I, I got married at a young age. I was 21. My wife was 18. Um, and uh, we knew that we were called to missions, and I did not want to stay in Alaska. Like, there was nothing about, like, I didn't like the cold. Like, right now, uh, as we speak, we got about two hours of daylight. Um, like, it's, there's just parts of it, honestly, just raw Very and tough. real. It sucks, man. It's like a survivalist movie. It is. Like, it is. I, we've all watched the Bear Grylls, which everyone debates <laughs> whether it's real or not. You know, Survivor, man. Uh, th there's so many. You just go type in the word survival on Netflix, and you literally find his lifestyle. <laughs> Which it, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so, you know, I was arguing with God because I'm a bush pilot. Uh, I okay. wanted to go down to the Amazon. I wanted to fly missionaries in and out of the Amazon. I wanted to be based in Ecuador, um, and uh, kind of like, you know, what Jim Elliott and Nate Saint were doing down there. Yes. My wife uh, got a certification as English as a second language. She was going to work in a school down there, and God would never release me to go. There were so many trips that I signed up for to go to the Amazon, and at the last minute, God would change it, and I was getting very, very frustrated about right. that. And so God spoke to me one day and he was like, I've called you to Alaska. You were born and raised in Alaska for a specific purpose. You're used to the elements, like you can, you can bear through it. Um, and, and most missionaries that come to Alaska, I mean, like, you would not believe how many people were like, man, I would love to come and do missions with you. <laughs> yeah, in the summertime. Like whenever, you, whenever it's in the wintertime, man, you really have to learn how to embrace the suck because it sucks. Um, and, and, and we've had staff members that have come up and they've stayed for a year, year and a half, and then they leave. Right, because God's calling them somewhere else. Like, well, wait a second. If God called you to Alaska, um, stay. Don't, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like whenever, shook. yeah, whenever it gets hard. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's, dude. Our mission house. Whenever we go up up to one of the villages that we go to, like we don't keep it heated all the time because like we, we're up there once a month for a week. Right. So like we'll go up there. Efficient. Yeah, and Expensive. it'll be twenty thirty below outside, and it's twenty thirty below inside. Yeah. So we got to start a fire usually. Thaw the house out. Yeah. How, how the pipes not burst? While so you're we gone. have to drain them all whenever we're done. Um, wow. It's it's a it's a long process. Jeez. Um, but. There's, a, there's many times whenever we, like, we'll get there, we'll start a fire, like, you know, and whenever we go to bed, it's like 32, 33 degrees in the house. So it's like, Gosh. you zip up the sleeping bags, like, you just, it's just like, and then you wake up in the morning. Honey, you never get to complain about the house. When I built a fire, she'll look at me and she goes, it's 63 degrees in here. Because <laughs> I can get that fire ripping to where it's like 78 in the house every yeah. once in a while. It takes a while. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay, so no more complaining about 63 degrees. There you honey. go. There you go. 32 degrees. Go um, to bed. But, but so anyways, I, I basically, I told God, I was like, God, if, if you're going to call me to Alaska, if I'm going to do this, you have to give me first and foremost, a love of the land year round. <laughs> and you have to give me a love for the people. I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yep. Because I honestly like, um, you have to love the people. Jesus was yeah. moved with compassion for the people. Yes. The Bible said, cause yeah. he was tapped out. 
Yeah. And then the Lord, the Holy Spirit would move on him for a compassion for the yeah. people. Tell me about your love for the people. So now my love for the people is unprecedented. Uh, but I did three years of solid full-time ministry, and I didn't have the love for the people. But I knew what God had called me to do, and I kept on, like, there was times where I would, I would sit up there in the village literally crying because I'm like, God, like, I don't want to be here. Like, this, this is my Nineveh. I don't want to be here. And, and all of a sudden, man, like, God did something. And I can't even tell you, like, an exact day or whatever, but something shifted. And now, like, the, the, the only place I want to be is in the village. Yes. Uh, my sons, you know, I've got five kids. Um, my, my three boys, I got a, a 16-year-old son who's stinking six foot five, 260 pounds. Like he's just a monster. And then I got twin 12 year old boys. They go up with me every time I go to the village. Uh, my son at 16, like he says, dad, whenever I graduate, I want to move to, to the village. Wow. Uh, so that they want to, they want to live this lifestyle. Um, but, but God gave me a love for the people. And, and here's the crazy thing, man. I'm, I'm with the organization, uh, youth with a mission. Uh, so love we, YWAM. Oh, I love it, man. Um, but we're, we're April, 2024, we're opening up our doors for our very first DTS, uh, at YWAM Denali. So it's on last frontier ministries campus, um, where we built a building, our, our ministry is hundred percent debt free. Like wow. we, if God doesn't, uh, we always say if it's his will, if it's his bill, there's always provision for the vision. Amen. And so we're, we're debt free. Um, <clears throat> and we're needing to raise like 200 grand by like January because we have a team coming up to finish our building. And, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, God, like we got people coming up. Like, what are we going to do? And right before I came down here, man, we got a, a call from a business man in Texas. And he's like, put me down for 50 grand. Come on. And so it's like, like God brings it in, right? He brings it in. Same thing with our airplane. Like we, we, you know, we were trying to figure out in our own mind how to get our airplane. Whenever we finally let go and let God, uh, the airplane came like, um, same thing. Like, you know, whenever we were building our facility, like, uh, we, we had enough money for rebar for, for, uh, foam insulation, PEX tubing for the, the, the floor for our shop. Right. And uh, we were building a three bay shop cause we got buses and boats and all that kind of stuff. We dude, we don't have time to work on them in the summertime. In the wintertime, it's 40 below. We ain't going to work on them in the wintertime. Well, we, we literally had that money. We had a team scheduled. They came up and it's time to pour the concrete. We have no money. Wow. And God said, order the concrete. And I'm um, like, but I have no money. He's like, order the concrete. I'm like, but I have no money. He's like, just order the concrete. <laughs> so I call up the local concrete guy. I'm like, hey, dude, I need to order, you know, $10,000 worth of concrete. He's like, <laughs> he knows me. He's like, do you got the money? I'm like, just bring the concrete, dude. Oh, wow. And so it's crazy, man. One truck after another, after another comes and, and I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at our bank account. I'm like, there's no money. Like, what are we going to do? And, I, and before that, I told my wife, I said, I heard from God. So if I, at least I think I heard from God. Like, I think, I think none of us are 100% sure right. when we hear from we, God. We, that's the part of the, the know, faith aspect. Yeah. That's the faith aspect. It's like 51 to 99% sure I heard God. Yes. But I would rather be stepping out in faith in that 51% yes. than the 49% that sit in the that pew is obedience. going, I'm waiting to hear from God. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so anyways, uh, the last truck, the last Can truck. Can I say something? Yeah, go for it. I'd rather be smacked from the concrete company saying, yeah. hey, I'm mad at you, than dad smack you and say, why didn't you obey? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dad scares me. <laughs> he doesn't scare me. I respect and love my father more than I do man. Yes, yeah. And the fear of man is a snare, and you obeyed the father, yeah. so keep going. So, so anyways, that last truck came, dumped the concrete, was was driving away 
and I get a phone call. We never told anybody that we didn't have money. We got a phone call, and one of my buddies was going, hey, in my quiet time this morning, I was praying, and God told me to donate you 10 grand. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he's so faithful. And then, and then story after story, like we were building our, our, our campus, our dorm, and it's three stories high. It's, it's, it's got 19 bedrooms in it. It's got the school in it. It's got the cafeteria and all this stuff. Well, we were going to build the basement in the, in the first floor, if you will, and then we were going to wrap it in you know, right. tar paper and everything and then wait till the next year. And, and the crazy thing, and this is a whole other story altogether, but our, our entire campus essentially has been built by young Amish people. Wow. They, they come from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They're okay. on Room Springer, so they can travel. Um, but they come up there, and they get wrecked by God. And Tough they get born again. Wow. Um, but anyways, the, the leader of the group had been born again for, for several years. And uh, he called me up one day. We had just finished wrapping the, the building in plastic and everything else, getting it put up. The team was leaving the next day. And, uh, and the day before that, my secretary called us up and she was like, do not spend any more money. We are out. I'm like, cool. Well, we already bought the plastic. Everything's good. He called me up and he's like, dude, I, I need you to come over and talk to me. And so I go over to the campus and, and he's up in one of our apartments looking over at the other building and it's raining, right? And I walk in there and his hands are, are like shaking Ooh, and, and he's got tears gone down. down. Something's and, gone down. And I'm going, dude, like I, I thought happened? somebody from his family died, right? right? I'm like, dude, Desh, are you okay? And he's like, Rob. Holy Spirit got him. He, oh, dude, it was awesome. The Holy Spirit. And he was like. Ninja attacked yeah, him. Right? <laughs> and uh, he was like, in my quiet time this morning, God told me that we're supposed to put the third floor in the roof on this building. Wow. And I was like, dude, Desh, that's going to cost us like $40,000 that we don't have, and our teams are all going home. And he was like, Rob, that's what I heard. He goes, this is your ministry. You need to decide what you're going to do. I said, whoa, 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 wait a second. This is not my ministry. This is God's ministry, right. and he's put me as a steward of this ministry. If he wants us to do it, he'll, he'll do it. So I'm sitting there praying about it. He's like, what are you getting? I'm like, dude, just shut up for a second because, like, I got this giant of unbelief in front of me. And so I, I prayed through that, and I got confirmation. I'm like, yes, we're supposed to do this. And so I called up my ministry partner who was leading a team in the village. I'm like, dude, Sam, like, this is what we got going on, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, well, if you guys feel like, and I said, no, dude, I need to hear from you. How much Hold time up one second, because yeah. what we're going to do is I'm going to say the website. Those of you who are ACN, Terrestrial Radio listeners, you can go to his website, Wilderness Ministries. Last Frontier Ministries. Last Frontier. I don't know what I'm saying that for. Lastfrontierministries.com. And then those of you who want to continue to listen, we're going to continue on rumble.com. Church and State 1776 is our handle. Also, Facebook.com, Church and State 1776. Follow us. Hear the rest of this, those of you who are listening to Terrestrial Radio. It's such a privilege to have you. Our, our ACN listeners, they listen to the likes of Dr. Dobson, uh, Chuck Missler. They, they're encouraged by stories like this. Those of you who have heard Robin's story, you can be somebody who contributes to what's going on. And, and hear the vision. YWAM's partnering with you. That gives a validity. Yeah. A lot of our young students from our church at On Fire Ministries have gone to other campuses. I got fell in love with my wife on a YWAM trip. That's how we fell in love and became husband and wife eventually. is because of a YWAM trip. So thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Those of you who want to continue to hear. Uh, we'll be, be on for the remainder of the interview. So God bless. Thank you for being on Church and State. Welcome to the fire.